Hello and welcome to Get That Grad Job. This is a podcast brought to you by the Lancaster University Careers Team. Today's theme is selling your experiences in applications. I'm Hannah, your host, and today I'm joined by two guests. Do you want to just introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Kim. I work on the Unite Plus uh, programme, which basically we get quality internships for uh, students to complete. They're great. And I'm Sue, and I am the Student Skills and Opportunities Developer. Um, basically, that means I look after the University's Grow Your Future programme, which offers loads of different activities for students from, that are underrepresented in higher education. Great. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really glad that you are here. So first question um, is to Kim. So Kim, you work with a lot of employers in your job. This podcast is about selling your experiences and applications. So from your perspective and from employers' perspective, what kind of skills are employers looking for for graduates and students? Basically, the more skills you have, the better. But it doesn't need to be a traditional skill and it doesn't always need to be from a traditional working background skill. A lot of students have skills or experience and a lot of students don't. The more skills that you have, put everything on your CV, any kind any kind of skills whatsoever. Obviously not to make your CV too long, but uh, hobbies and things like that are also great. But if you only have experiences from life experience, then that is also great. I, I work with a lot of SMEs. I go and see a lot of um, directors and things like that. Not everybody wants a student who's got loads and loads of skills. They want a student who's got experience and looks at that experience basically in everyday life. So I had I interviewed someone recently. Um, it was for a IT job, um, and they uh, they didn't have any experience. They did a linguistics degree, but that was the employer chose them because in their spare time they did a lot of things with front end and back end development. That student felt confident enough to go for that job, which was brilliant, and he um, was offered the job over software engineers and programmers basically just because of what he did in his spare time. Wow, that's really cool, isn't it? Really yeah. interesting to know about. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, Sue, from your perspective, um, how do students and graduates know what kind of skills they have to offer? So Kim's obviously been talking about it can come from anywhere in your life, but how do, they, how do students and graduates know what kind of skills they have to offer? So quite often when I'm working with a student, you can see that they've had all sorts of different experiences, like Kim said, from their hobbies, maybe from part-time jobs, maybe from other things that they've done within their course, projects and things like that that they've been involved in. But often they don't recognise the range <laughs> of skills yeah. that um, you know have been involved in being successful in doing all those things. And it's often because they just take it for granted. It's something mm-hmm. that they may be naturally good at and don't break it down. So it's really important that students take time to really reflect on the different things that they do and what kind of skills that they're drawing on. So for example, I had a conversation with somebody the other day around time management. It was a key skill that um, the employer asked for. It was in the essential criteria. And um, they were like, oh, I can't think of anything apart from the usual, you know, I've got essay deadlines that I need to meet. So, you know, obviously I want to put something else in. Now, I guess juggling hobbies and your deadlines for, assignments is good example of time mm-hmm. management but you can see the student had loads of different experience and they wanted to um, do something else and actually this student does rallying 
uh, as their hobby they wow. do sort of like you know navigating and stuff like that and every, once you talk to the student about what it is that they do mm -hmm. and learn more about it you can help them unpick so that rallying experience means that they need to be really mindful of all their time their time checks everything's timed and that was a really interesting and exciting example of time management which could potentially for some students feel a bit oh what have I got to offer about this so it is looking at all those different experiences in a bit more depth taking the time to really reflect on what it is that is involved in mm. being successful in those different things they do what you say Sue is great because with you interviewing Sue and I today for this podcast we, we are from different ends of the spectrum mm, Sue speaks a lot more to the students whereas mm. I speak a lot more to the employer but basically with you saying students don't always realize the kind of skills that they have for today's society mm -hmm. and for today's employers and directors but all whenever i speak to my students are so surprised about is digital marketing yeah a lot of companies now are falling behind with digital marketing if they don't have the budget to employ someone to to do digital marketing mm -hmm. Now I work with a lot of SMEs from micros up to uh, the company can be up to 250 people. Micro companies don't have the money to spend on on people doing digital marketing and social mm -hmm. media. So we'll go into interviews on the Unite just to explain on the Unite Plus program I go in um, with the employer to do the interviews. A lot of students will be like, yeah, I can use Facebook, yeah, I can use Instagram, <laughs> yeah, I can use um, Twitter. But a lot of the employers are like, well, yeah, I can use them. I know what they are, but I don't know how to microblog. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to put how to put different things on there. I don't know how to use Canva. And they would actually have to go on a course to learn mm -hmm. that. A lot of the students are so surprised by this, the mm -hmm. kind of things that they can just do. Because what you students have to remember is you've been born with this, basically. <laughs> you can just do it. And that sometimes is what you may see as simple as what an employer mm -hmm. is looking for. Mm -hmm. And on the other side of the spectrum, we have... We have um, placements for engineering students where a, a client has designed something they have it in the head they're not from an engineering background they want to take it to market they can't afford to pay to take it to market an engineering student that's the kind of thing they do day in day out i'm absolutely blown away by engineering students but they can do that and take it to market the employer doesn't realize that until they come in and speak to the students so what sometimes may seem simple to yourselves it isn't it's great it's a great thing to do nice that's good um sue you've actually got a model to help students work this out don't you yeah. do you just want to talk through that yeah we will do definitely um because one of the things that i noticed like i said working with students is they jump in to write the cv they've seen the job <laughs> they're excited by the job they want to get that cv written or get that application form in and that's almost their starting point so like I said, start at the beginning, do mm -hmm. that reflection. Um, so it's the five R's model, um, nice and easy to remember <laughs> those five R's. And the first step is, as you probably guessed, reflect. So within that, like you say, you're not necessarily always sure what it is that employers are potentially looking for. So within that model, um, I've got a bit of a skills audit. So they're just a generic list of a lot of different skills that employers are looking for. And I'm asking the students to really think about have they got this skill? Rate themselves, you know, on a scale of one to five as to how good they think they are at that skill. Where did that skill come from? And then how do they know that they're good at that skill? If they've scored themselves a four or a five out of five thinking that they're feeling very confident that they have that skill, where's the evidence? So all of those things together, the way you've got it from, how good do you think you are at it and the evidence that then gives you a, an example you can use in an employment situ interview situation whether that is um, 
like you say, in an interview or on an application form. So that reflection, that skills audit, really taking time to understand what you've got to offer is massively important. Mm. I guess if you're thinking about it, this is like selling your skills to an employer. Mm. It's, it's a sales technique. You need to understand as a student, your own unique selling points, what you've got to offer, just as any other salesperson would need to know what it is that they were, mm. was unique about the product they were trying to sell. So that's important. The next step is R for review. And that's um, all about looking at that job description, really unpicking it, trying to understand what it is that the employer wants specifically. And that's definitely, again, that sales analogy, thinking about what the customer wants. If there was a car salesman, or woman wanting to sell a car, they would need to understand what the car USP is, all the spec that it's got to offer, but they'd also need to understand what the customer wanted. There's no point trying to sell them a sports car if they want to go four by four off-roading. So that's that's got to match. So then you might go back to that reflect stage and rejig. You know, there might be extra skills that you want to add on to that list. Because like I said, that initial list is just a bit generic and just to get people thinking. The next stage is research, researching the company, researching the organisation's values, their strategy, their vision for the next five, ten years, and then thinking about how do you as an individual fit into that. Mm. Not only do your values align, but what can you offer to help Mm. that company or organisation meet that strategic vision that they have. So that's a really important part. And only at stage four do you get to the point (laughs) where you are recording or articulating Mm -hmm. what you've got to offer. So recording in an uh, application form or articulating in an interview. The final R is all about reframing and that's maybe when you've looked at that list of things that the employer wants and then you're looking at your list and thinking, actually, some of those things that the employer wants, I'm only scoring myself maybe a one or a two. They're not things I've had the opportunity to develop yet. The emphasis being on yet but you're showing the employer how you've got the potential to develop those skills or the potential Mm. to do that aspect Mm. of the job. So you might give an example from another skill that you feel is one of your strengths that could lend the um, ability to Mm. do the other skills that maybe aren't quite as um, high in terms of your development as yet. Mm. So that's the five R's model. Hopefully, nice and easy for uh, students to remember. There is a handout in the careers base, so uh, feel free to pick it up if you want to have a look at that in more detail. And we do run some workshops on Mm -hmm. it as well, Mm taking them through the model in a bit more detail. And if you're a graduate and you're not based in Lancaster, we've also got um, webinars on this and you can just email us and we can send you through resources as well. So it's really interesting what you've just said. I think I see a lot of students as well and a lot of students say to me oh I don't have much experience or I'm not confident in what I'm doing or I don't have any skills and actually at university I think it's a great place to develop all these skills it might not be go through doing some formal work experience and um, like Unite Plus offers that Kim works for um, but actually there's loads of different ways to get experience and um, so what are kind of some of the good places um, that you've seen students gain experience whilst they've been a student So a really good thing that students can do while they're at university is to get involved with different things. Certainly when speaking to employers, when we have, they say when they've got a candidate in front of them who has just done their degree and all their examples are through their degree, that's not quite as exciting as the student who comes with a variety of different experience. And like we say, it doesn't have to be paid work 
great if it is but equally getting involved in societies and mm-hmm. um, develops a whole range of skills it also shows that you can manage your studies and get involved in other stuff as well and um, any hobbies that you do outside of um, your um, course as well just stuff that you do for yourself um, volunteering is another thing that um, employers certainly value um, and like we said that part-time work even though it might not feel like it's directly relevant to the role that you want to go into in the future there will be a range of different skills that you will inevitably involve from working within a team unless you're working remotely completely on your own but most part-time jobs that students have have some element of working in a team communicating with others effectively demonstrating that you've got a work ethic showing that you can juggle all those different commitments and I think university is probably one of the only times in a young adult's life that you can get involved in so many different yeah. things at such a low cost, not just in terms of low cost financially, but in terms of your time, you've got a mm-hmm. bit more time than when you get into that uh, working world and <laughs> trying to do something. Yeah, trying to fit in hobbies to my life at the moment doesn't really work. <laughs> Wish I'd done more at university myself. That's the point, and getting in, and getting involved in the community as well. Yeah, you know, you're here at Lancaster University. Lancaster's a brilliant city. Getting involved in the groups and societies in university, but mm. also out in the community. Mm. With Unite Plus, it's um, you know it's jobs, internships throughout Lancashire, but also for a lot in Lan- in Lancaster as well. It may change your mind. A lot of people are do want to go and work in the bright lights of London and I don't blame them. I wanted to do that as a student or stay where I went to university. It's an either or an or. And there are lots of different things throughout the university that you can get involved in. Paid internships where you can work within the community mm. and it's great. Mm. And, it's, and a lot of the employers that I talk to, if you're involved in different societies and things like that, you can draw on lots of things. Like Sue said, basically teamwork and things like that. But another point, a lot of jobs these days, not a lot, but more and more I'm seeing are remote working as well. Mm-hmm. So that is also a very different skill. You are working with a team sometimes, but you've also got to be able to work upon your own initiative, not get distracted, you know, by neighbours. Is neighbours still on? Home and away. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. I got distracted by that when I was at uni. They're all aimed towards us students. Well, when I was a student. <laughs> So that kind of thing is very important, just all the different things that you can do. Absolutely. And even if you're a graduate, you can get involved in these things as well. We've been talking a lot about students, but if you're a graduate listening, there's a really good website called doit.org. Um, and they offer volunteering opportunities around the UK, um, even in Lancaster. There's not many things in Lancaster, is there? But even in Lancaster, there's that doit.org um, volunteering opportunities. And equally, if you are involved in a lot of things whilst you're a student, there's also the Lancaster Award that you can get involved with. And yeah. um, So have a look at that. We might talk about that in a future podcast as well. Um, but if you are involved in a lot of things, definitely sign up to the Lancaster Award. You can do that and um, book an event through Target Connect. So feedback from employers suggests that they value the fact that students have undertaken the Lancaster Award as well. So, you know, having that recognition, but not only the recognition for doing these different things, you know, the the gaining of the points and getting involved in stuff, but actually having the opportunity to practice articulating your experience effectively and getting some feedback on that now Mm. whilst a student before you get to that point where you're applying for that job of your dreams so Lancaster Ward yeah Mm. if you do another podcast on that I'm sure (laughs) you need to tune in for that one but um, certainly from what I've seen the Lancaster Ward is really really good at helping students Mm. be able to express the skills they've got to Mm. offer 
So following on from that, obviously you both see a lot of students' applications and attend interviews for students and graduates. What are the kind of common pitfalls that students get into um, with applying for jobs, um, writing a CV and also doing interviews? What are the kind of common pitfalls for people to avoid? So from my perspective, the one thing that I see when looking at student CVs and applications is the tendency to just tell the employer what it is <laughs> that they've done and it will be almost a list of I have done these things mm -hmm. and no evidence to say I have done these things well. Mm -hmm. A key, a little bugbear, this is this is one of those things, I get a bee in my bonnet about this one, it was my responsibility to oh my dot God. dot dot yeah. and I always say to the students at that point this proves nothing it may have been your responsibility to, but were you just in the back room having a cup of tea? Mm -hmm. I don't know. You're not giving me any indication as to how well you did this or what uh, impact you doing this made. So making sure that students in their applications are showing the impact of what it is that they have been involved in. So focusing on the action and the STAR technique has been a really useful way to mm. do that. I've started talking to students about STAR with an extra R. So <laughs> STAR being situation and task, just giving a bit of context mm -hmm. around um, the situation that um, the student encountered, whether that was in their hobbies or work experience or whatever it was. A really big focus on the action, what they actually did, not just a list of things um, that they they did, but breaking it down, why you chose to do it that way, giving some real indication of um, the actions and then the result, thinking about the impact that your actions had on that particular situation. And my extra R is more reflection, <laughs> or, or actually thinking about, now that you've had that experience, is there something that you would do differently? What have you learned from that experience? What might you take forward? Mm. So I'm on star with an extra R at you can the also moment. Have, you can also have care. You can. So care is for context, situation, task, then action, result, and evaluation. Evaluation, so that's yeah. another way of just um, working out. You've got to work out whichever way is right for you. Yeah, but that's you can do star yeah. with an extra R or care. Or care, yeah. <laughs> Either way, they both work. Stare, because there was a star with an E on the end, it didn't quite feel no, right. So, quite <laughs> but right. yeah. It's all the same thing though, having that yeah. extra point at the end which is yeah. evaluating how you approached it and whether you'd continue to do that in the future or just what did you learn from that, how's that maybe changed your thinking. So, yeah. And also if you're panicking, if you're a panicker um, and you're stressing about what you're writing or especially in an interview, using the STAR framework, whatever framework we've just talked about, um, using that to help you write your applications and also in interviews is a really good way to structure and keep yourself clear if you're panicking. I'd say also in an interview, inject a bit of personality. Mm. <laughs> inject a bit of what you are, of the kind of person mm. that you are. It's not about, a lot of employers don't want to take on robots. It, and it is hard. It's hard in an interview because mm. you're nervous and you want to make sure that you cover everything. But I think if you just, they also want to know the real person as well. Mm. They want to know someone that they can work with as someone that can, can bring a little bit of life to the team and things like that as well. Yeah, I probably spend more you guys, more time with you guys than I do most of my friends. Yeah, so, that's true. Yeah, so you work together. So yeah, inject a little bit of personality. Definitely. Yes, you know, interviews are serious. They are, you, you do need to get through certain things. You need to show the employer that you can, that you can do the tasks that they've assigned or the things that they've pointed out. Whenever I see students, if they're a little bit nervous, I'll I'll have a bit of a chat with them and get them to, to open up a little bit. And don't be scared of that. Obviously, there are limitations, but don't be scared to have to inject a little bit of um, personality. Definitely, great. I think that's have great. you got any more um, pitfalls 
are kind of top tips that you would give to students and graduates about selling their experiences in applications? It sounds really, really simple, but we do come across this quite a lot. Make sure that you put a true reflection in your CV and cover letter to the kind of person that you are. Now, I'm not talking about, I, I like to think people wouldn't directly lie on the CVs or anything like that. But sometimes it can be it can be the opposite. There could be a lot of personality in a cover letter or in a CV, but it's not quite the same when it comes across in interview. Make sure that you've researched the company. Basically, make sure that everything that you put in your CV and your cover letter is true to you, because it will come across in some way, shape or form. Um, definitely underselling. I know we've spoke about underselling. It's hard if you don't realise exactly what the what the job requires completely until you get into, mm -hmm. into interview. So on your application, you may undersell without realising it. But once you start speaking to that employer, like, like we said about digital marketing earlier, even if you think it's really simple and really easy, just just say everything that you can. If, you've, uh, if you volunteer for something or you're in a society at university and you do their social media, that's massive to most, mm. of, my, most of my employers. Obviously show that you're interested. A lack, of a lack of interest does come across, so obviously show that you're interested. Um, Kim is prepared, she's got a list. This I have impressive. got a list. Um, <laughs> and yeah, be able to draw upon examples and don't be scared of the examples that you're drawing upon. You know, work-related examples are good, but obviously, like, like we were talking before about a little bit of personality, if you've got mm. some kind of example from a sporting hobby that you do or just from go going out with your friends sometimes or things like that, teamwork, mm. that kind of thing's really good. Thanks. So if we're thinking about top tips, definitely, like I said before, within the uh, the five R's model, reviewing that job description and really understanding what it is that the employer wants so that every part of your application is demonstrating how you meet that particular role. Don't send in a generic CV that you've used for five other jobs make sure that it's tailored to that specific role and that specific company don't be afraid of saying you know i want to work for this company i want to help towards this aspect mm. of their you know 10-year strategy and this is what i can specifically offer that kind of specific nature is what will help the application stand out above others that have maybe been a bit more generic it shows that they've got that interest mm. in the organization like you were just talking about kim so um, as well can i just say always always put a cover letter in please <laughs> it's I know it sounds simple, and when I used to apply for jobs, I used to think, oh, well, everything's in my CV. Mm -hmm. But a cover letter just shows um, it's tailored to that to that job, mm -hmm. basically. And it gives it gives someone looking and filtering and shortlisting, um, basically, an overview of what you can do. And the, a cover letter in itself is showing interest, but it's tailored to the job, obviously. I used to hate doing cover letters, and I used to think, oh, I bet people <laughs> don't even read them. Believe me, they mm -hmm. do. I'd, I'd back that up and in my role where I've taken on students in different roles within mm -hmm. the university, you know, part-time stuff, it's the cover letter yeah, that cover makes letter. me then read their CV. Mm, yeah. If the me cover too. letter catches my attention, that's the bit that I'll go, okay, let me look at that CV in more depth. Whereas a CV, I might just give it that quick mm. glance. Does yeah. it kind of meet the general things that I'm looking for? You know, th there's that bit of research that suggests that employers take about six seconds yeah. to decide whether the CV is something they're going to look yeah. into in more detail, whether it goes into the yes pile or the no pile. And yes, I will give CVs that initial scan, but mm. it's the cover letter that in I, yeah, makes I'm me go exactly and have a look. I'm exactly yeah. the same with the cover letter definitely and if you're all if there's loads of people applying for the same job mm -hmm. the cv 
is their CVs are going to be quite similar, yeah. really, because mm-hmm. they've all got the skills that you know for that job. So it's the cover letter that makes you stand out. And I never realised that. And I used to think people don't look at yeah. it, but no, they really, really, really do. It's very yeah, yeah. important. Yeah. And remember that if you're applying for an organisation, the person reading it is going to be from the organisation, and so they're going to be passionate about the organisation. Yeah. yeah. So we are all passionate about careers at Lancaster because that's where we work. Yeah. And so if you are saying you are passionate about careers at Lancaster, we're going to be like, oh yeah, that's like me too. Yeah. It's that like similarity thing. Yeah. And that's really important to think about for yeah. um, people that you're applying to. Yeah, demonstrating Again. that they've got that same level of commitment mm. to trying to achieve what it is yeah. that the organisation's trying to achieve. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, really important. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It Great. brings that bit of personality in again, it which does. I've said before. Definitely. So it does, yeah. Fab. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks to you two especially. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for inviting us. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah. That was brilliant. Tune in for our next podcast in a couple of weeks. <laughs>